0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to fritolasnacket.espination.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. of Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void were prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of fifty-two coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at fridelaysnacket.espionation.com.
1: Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age?
2: all right welcome on back to another edition of the baltimore beatdown podcast it is thursday night 10 43 p.m my name is jake luke and i'm joined by a couple night owls here one of them is spencer nathaniel schultz how's it going pal
0: going quite well super fired up we're in december we don't have too much of this left man it's really snuck up I, i'm thankful uh i'm sure the players aren't but i'm thankful for week 18 and, and sneaking that extra game in there get a little get to steal one into january a little bit but it's kind of started to hit me we're we're getting towards the end here so trying to relish as much as we possibly can and parlay into draft season and all that good stuff and speaking of which we got my uh, my digital buddy get to get to meet your face Corey Kinnan coming on, super fired to have you up, Corey, to to preview Ravens Browns. How you feeling, brother?
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah, Spencer, we've we've uh, communicated back and forth for quite some time on the Twitter sphere, so it's good to good to sit down and have a conversation, not quite face to face, but as face to face as possible at this point. So yeah, happy to be here.
2: As we say in the uh, the cheese dick office office culture, it's nice to e meet you.
1: Yes. Yes. It's very nice to meet you both. Jake, this is my first time. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it's great to meet you, but yeah, I'm ready to talk some ball. We've got, you know, some, some maybe good football this weekend. We'll see how it goes, but you know, the implications are a little steeper for you guys than they are for me. So
0: most yeah. definitely. And I think, uh, Hey, if you, if you consider AFC North football, good football, whatever that means to you, then, then I think that's what we're going to get most certainly. So Corey, before we kind of kick it off, or I guess to kick it off here, wanted to plug you a little bit of course plug any of your work Corey is over at the browns wire the managing editor there and doing a ton of nfl draft content Corey's always breaking down film getting into the nitty-gritty of of gap scheme zone scheme all the good stuff we love to see so wanted to kind of go in chronological order we always do with our guests and ask you about you know your your love affair with football how it came to be and what the what i guess the game means to you If, if you want to get into the browns in that sense as well go for it brother
1: yeah so i mean i i played growing up you know i'm from Ohio. It's, it's kind of Midwest culture to, to love football, especially in Ohio with Ohio State. I grew up an hour from Columbus, live in Columbus now, but growing up an hour from Columbus, it was, you know, Ohio State was, it, it is a cult um, in, in central Ohio. So, uh, you know, I just always grew up loving it. My, my grandpa loved it. My dad loved it. So I, I got into it, you know, played from a young age all the way through high school um was never very good you know i have a few catches to my name on the varsity level but that's that's about it and then some special teams accolades but uh it was never a great player but i always have appreciated and loved the game and even from you know middle school high school i can just remember watching the browns with my family and, and realizing like oh there's something more there here than just like oh they're handing the ball off and there's something more here than just like oh they just picked up a first down so um yeah so i um uh, Just kind of I've gone through my educational career as well, Um, but all through college and grad school, you know, I went through grad school, don't use either of my degrees that I have, uh, but can you remember sitting in grad school and like on an Excel spreadsheet in, in the middle of class, like making mock drafts on an on Excel spreadsheet in class or like scrolling through Bleacher Report uh, in class and things like that and realize like, oh, this, this is something that I could do. This is something that I could do. So uh, again, I don't use my degree. So I graduated, you know, I, I, by the time I was like halfway through my program, I realized that this is worthless. I might as well just finish it, but whatever. Um, and so from there, you know, I, I feel like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people get their start at Fansighted. So I got my start at Fansighted. So I, I wrote for Dog Pound Daily for a little while, uh, became an editor through Fansighted um, after that, after I learned some things, ran Fansighted's draft site for a while, um, and <laughs> up until you know may of 2021 when i found out my wife was pregnant and i was like i can't do that anymore. i can't edit and, and go through all that so um <laughs> from there you know I, I just started writing for uh sports Illustrated's brown cited si brown's digest so uh that was a lot lower of a workload uh, it was nice uh to, to kind of have that I could write whenever I wanted, uh, it was really nice. But uh, and then from there, I, I transitioned over to the OBR, which which is what I would consider the the best brown side out there. Um, still is, even though I'm not there anymore. I would still consider them the, the best brown side out there. So that was a real privilege. And you know, through that, just networking on Twitter, uh, watching a lot of coaches' clinics on uh, on YouTube. Uh, just not being afraid to jump in. Who the DMs of people who are way smarter than me to, to ask questions. I I I feel like I've learned a lot about the game, and it's it's been cool to to, to be where I am. And yeah, as you said, now I uh, now I'm the managing editor at BrownsWire, and I, I try to do the best I can to continue to to post as much scheme stuff as possible uh, to to provide to provide as much insight as I can uh, when I am posting clips things like that. But still just doing my best to dive into the DMS of people who are smarter than me to, to continue to learn some things. So, uh, but that's, that's a little bit about me, you know, still pretty, pretty dumb to the game of football, but like to think that, that I have, that I have something to provide. So
2: listening to that, I get the vibe that you're a little bit more of a 99 and beyond Browns guy, as opposed to a 95 and before Browns guy. Is that accurate? And, uh, I, you don't sound very like bitter or anything. You sound very, you know, kind of excited about your fandom still, which I think is nice.
1: Ah, uh, well, it's hard to be excited about your fandom when you're a Browns fan, but uh, I, for the most part, yeah, I'm a 99 before. Like, I can remember playing '90, like Madden '95, with my dad on the Super Nintendo. But like. At, like when Madden 95, 96 came out, I was like five or six years old. So 99, I would have been seven. So that, you know, I do remember vividly, you know, the Kelly Holcomb years, the Tim Couch years, the playoff game against the Steelers where they went up three scores at halftime and blew a second half lead The in 2003, I think it was with Kelly Holcomb. But uh, so I, those are my, some of my earliest memories are like those early 2000s Browns teams. You know, uh, I can remember loving Dennis Northcutt returning punts for touchdowns like every once in a while. And I was like, oh yeah, this guy's great. I love this guy. So, um, I do have some, some pretty early memories. Uh, my high school years were like the Derek Anderson, Braylon Edwards years. So Braylon uh, Anderson, man, one of my favorites, man. And then from there it got real dark. It's been dark, you know, from my, you know, from there on out, got out of it a little bit. Uh, it's been a long couple of years though. So, uh, but yeah, I am a very much a 99 and after guy
0: the uh the young millennial will will lump you on in with us jake likes to say he's on his upper to mid 20s there so early early 20s uh, that that's
2: that's may for sure
0: <laughs> so with that being said uh speaking of those years those eras and i guess to kind of jump in to a preface to this season Baker mayfield drafted obviously number one overall pick tons of expectations and from the the ravens point of view looks like someone and, and i think lamar jackson summarized it best you know at certain points it was like I'm going to be seeing this guy for a decade and felt like it was a really big factor. So take us just, I guess kind of briefly through your lens of the Baker Mayfield years and leading, I guess into Kevin Stefanski. And, and then we can get in, I guess a little deeper to what the Browns were expectations wise this year and then dive into this game. But what was your kind of, I guess in hindsight view and taking us through that process of what felt like and and you did say came out of the woods a little bit, you know, they go to the playoffs, they kind of get the monkey off their mm-hmm. back, all those things. So, Give us a little insight into that time.
1: Yeah. So that 2018 year was electric. There's no denying it. You know, he came in Tyrod Taylor got hurt in that jets game. They hadn't won a game in almost two years. The, I don't know if you remember the bud light coolers that had the locks on and that bud light promised to oh, give beer yeah. away when the Browns finally won a game. And they did it on that Thursday night game came up coming back in the second half and, baker mayfield's first ever game so there's no denying that there was lightning in a bottle in that 2018 season uh that really had the fan base believing like oh like we we can touch that we can hug this guy like he's not going away in a few years you know like this is a guy that we can we can put our faith in and uh he's not gonna go in the jersey that's 20 some names long like um And then 2019 happened. The Freddie Kitchens year happened, uh, after, you know, Greg Williams was interim head coach and they rattled off quite a few wins and, uh, they found some success with Baker that rookie year and they decided, you know what, he's rolling with Freddie. We might as well hire Freddie full-time. Uh, and that went very poorly. Um, Baker still had, you know, his EPA was still up there. EPA per play, EPA per game was still up there, even though his numbers were atrocious. I think he threw 20 picks that year. So, um, it wasn't pretty by any means, um, and then that's, that's when the Kevin Stefanski-Andrew Barry hire happened. And uh, in hindsight, it's, it, I think it's kind of easy to see that Stefanski-Barry never fully thought Baker Mayfield was their guy. I think they came in, hired, saying, you know, we, we can see what we got here. Uh, and again, they caught some success in, in 2020. They made the playoffs in 2020. Um, but uh, 2020 was the year, I mean, the Titans did it that year too. 2020 was the year that, that play action really lit up the league play action really lit up the league. So, um and you can go back and watch 2020 now and realize, you know, Baker Mayfield didn't really have to do a whole lot beyond like I know I got to get my eyes here pre-snap or post-snap. And that's pretty much it. And he found a lot of success with that. The Browns find a lot of success with that. Again, their offensive line was tremendous. Their run game was tremendous. So uh, there wasn't a lot of pressure. Uh, and then 2021, the wheels fell off. I think even after 2020, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry realized, like, we're watering down a whole lot of our playbook to, to kind of find success where we can. Again, it's 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 all play action. It's all run action. It's all off of wide zone. It's all off of gap uh, power play action. Um and then 2021 again, it started to fall off. Where you know they they began to say, "Can we trust Baker to uh, run something other than high low? Run something other than play action? Can he get his eyes backside? Can he find a backside dig?" And the answer to that was no. <laughs> the answer to that was no. Um, and so I, I think, and then there was a lot of. Tumultuous stuff that happened in 2021 as well. I mean, we, we all know the the Odell Beckham Jr. dad video, YouTube video posting, and uh, the kind of divide that OBJ and Baker kind of had in, in the locker room. Um, but again, I think by like uh, late October, early November last year, Stefanski and Barry realized like, yeah, this isn't this isn't the guy. This isn't the guy. Um, a lot of people wanted to blame the shoulder injury from week two. I mean, I, I tend to think your shoulder injury is not going to screw up your footwork the way his his feet were just god-awful um the 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 shoulder's not going to screw up where you're going to get your eyes pre-snap and where you're going to get your eyes post-snap uh and then that stuff his whole his whole process was broken um and then it obviously got really tumultuous when it got leaked that the browns were interested in in other quarterbacks um and then baker mayfield requested a trade and the Browns said no we're not gonna we're not gonna grant that and then they landed deshaun watson and whatever we can talk about there but um and then you know they kind of held him hostage all summer because they weren't just going to trade him for nothing. In the end, they traded him to Carolina. Um, so I, my, in hindsight, it's easy to say I, I just don't, I just don't think Stefanski, Barry were ever sold. You know when they when they came in in twenty twenty that yeah Baker's our guy for the future. Um, and I, I think that Kevin Stefanski felt like I have a whole, I have a whole like trifold of my playbook that I just can't use until I get a quarterback who I can trust. Um, and I think that's kind of the the spearhead they hit last summer.
2: Definitely. And I I can just hear it in your voice that you're a big fan. So I guess we don't have to dwell on the Watson thing too much, but I guess I would ask like with the knowledge that he was going to be suspended, Jacoby Brissett was going to be starting. Where was kind of your emotions going into this year, just as a fan, like what were your expectations? What were you kind of feeling about the franchise at that time? Cause I know it was kind of a a divisive time for a lot of you.
1: Yeah, it was really divisive. Um, there was a whole, there's a whole section of, of Browns Twitter uh, still that is devoted to Baker Mayfield. You know, he's the best quarterback we've had since '99, and he won a playoff game. And um, and so I, there's a section that felt like the Browns did Baker Mayfield really dirty. Uh, I fall in the section that the NFL is a business and if you're not doing your job, then like you have nobody really to blame but yourself and the franchise was right to explore other options who they landed on. You know, sure. We, again, we're not going to talk about who that guy is off the field or whatever, but uh, that's a different story. But um, so, yeah, it's a very divided, divided fan base when it, when it comes to Baker Mayfield. Um, and then going into the season, my expectations were like uh, if they can come out of these first one, I, I think everybody thought he was going to get six games. I think people in Berea thought that he was going to get six games, the front office the leadership. They all thought six games, we can overcome this. Uh, when it turned into 11 is when, is when it started, the expectations started to shift a little bit, but there was still even me included that saw those first four games, you know, Carolina, uh, New York jets, Steelers, Falcons, and said, you know, if you come out of there three and one and zero, like even with Jacoby Brissett, like you're going to put yourself in, in a great position. Uh, and then they blew a two-score lead in a minute and a half to the Jets. And then they let the Atlanta Falcons just completely run down their throats on the ground. Um, and then you leave those those four games two and two, and then that's when my expectations began to say, like, okay, well, uh, maybe maybe next year. Um, but based off the strength of schedule those first four games, I, I, I even thought, you know, because Jacoby had his best season in his NFL career
0: this year. He's been, he's been so sharp. been so, <laughs> so, so, so sharp. Best backup quarterback play. Over a long stretch I, I can really recall.
1: Yeah, I think he is, he's going to be QB thirty three until he retires. Like I think he's gonna be quadruple he's a, the perfect quadruple A quarterback. Yes, he's gonna be the Ryan Fitzpatrick of of the next five, six years. I I genuinely think he's gonna get paid to be a bridge quarterback somewhere from some team that's gonna draft an Anthony Richardson or something that's gonna draft a CJ Stroud or a Will Levis, something like that. Uh, and he deserves it. I mean, again, he had a career year. His uh, he, by most of the metrics, he was a top ten quarterback for for a huge stretch of those 11 games. So, um, I mean, that's been a bright spot of my season as well. Jacoby, everybody loves Jacoby from new England to Indianapolis to Miami to Cleveland. Like he is a leader's leader players just swarm to him. Um, I would love him back as the backup. I don't think it's going to happen, but he has been a true bright spot of like, Oh, Jacoby's a fun dude. This is fun.
0: He uh, limited turnovers so well, he made good decisions, he's tough, he kind of reminds me in ways in the pocket of, like, middle-aged Ben Roethlisberger rumbling around back there, doing so many things, and to take the job that he took, knowing what the situation was, I mean, you can't do anything but respect the hell out of the guy, so... Um, With that being said, you know, and and we kind of said before the show to pull back the curtain, we didn't really want to hang up on everything to Sean Watson. There's been plenty of time to have discourse on that. But with this game ahead, um, you really could just tell. It feels like to me when I'm looking up and down the Browns roster, what they did in the offseason, they obviously go out and get Watson. They go get Amari Cooper and one of the most kind of under the radar moves in the Tyreek Hills and the Devonte Adams and the more explosive tier and the draft picks that are traded and they go acquire him. But other than that, they kind of stood pat. They, you know, they, they didn't have a first round pick. Obviously uh, they, they bring in Martin Emerson, who is someone that I liked in the draft and has been a really key player for them, but kind of stood tall. So it feels like they were in that situation and this is a great year to evaluate. So in those evaluations, as they were going rolling through October and November, what would you say you've seen out of this team? Obviously I, I, I know you're a big Stefanski Guy, I'm a big Stefanski guy as well, so I really hope the Browns move forward with him for their sake. And in that lens of Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, what have you seen out of some of these players that have gotten an opportunity to step up through and and prove that they're going to be a part of that core?
1: Yeah, so that's been a, a fun storyline to follow as well. Again, I do believe in Kevin Stefanski. I think he he knows how to scheme guys open. I think he he truly understands uh tendencies on a down-to-down basis uh he gets a lot of flack for in-game management and being too aggressive where you know he probably shouldn't get too cute I, I get all of that um I think what it comes down at the end of the day is though Stefanski and Barry are the ones who talk the ownership into this trade and they're not gonna they're not gonna fire him you know with without a full season of seeing what he can do with the guy that that he and the GM strongly advocated for but um as, as far as like things that I've been excited thing and pieces on the roster that I've that I've seen I, I can't go without mentioning 30-year receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones um sixth round pick out of Michigan in 2020 uh, we have talked about a, him on this podcast a time and he's on the verge of a thousand yard season in his third season as a 6th round pick um so again when we talk about scheme we have to talk about uh they're running a lot of three beaters, a lot of quarters beaters right now. And, and I think they have the two perfect receivers to do. And, you know, one that can cut you up and, and, and get open against man coverage. And one who kind of has a really good feel for green grass. If he does see cover three to know, like, Oh, I, I can, I can present a target. Uh, and people's Jones has been a contested can like catch God this year. I don't, I don't know how other way to say it. Um, I saw, a. Uh, a, a number today that he's in the 99th percentile on catch rate this year uh which is the best in the league um so now that we have a quarterback uh, again strictly on the field who's able to kind of see those backside digs which he saw a lot of them last week i think he hit five or six of them last week uh peoples jones is kind of the perfect receiver for that um and i think he's in line for for a nice little payday this this offseason and, and that softens a blow where I, I still think they probably need a receiver um somebody who can stretch the field horizontally and do a little bit after the catch and, and just kind of create lightning in a bottle that they don't really have on the roster. Maybe Jalen Darden can do that, that they just claimed off of waivers last week. Maybe he can do a little bit of that, but they don't really have that kind of guy on the roster. Um, another guy's David and Joku uh, again, a first round pick all the way back in 2017 and you know, his sophomore season absolutely he, torches the Ravens Ab- absolutely torches. Them. Yeah. In 2018, he had, uh top ten tight end year. Uh, his second season in the league. Uh, Stefanski Barry. Or 2019, he breaks his wrist, gets in the doghouse of Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey, who, by all means, I don't have any respect for their their personnel management or, or what they, uh, how they relate to players. So uh, that year was kind of a wash for him. And then uh, the new the new regime came in and said, I I, I don't know if we can trust David and Joku to be the tight end one in the scheme that that quite frankly needs a tight end who can can do what we need them to do. So they go out and sign Austin Hooper, um, who he gets kind of shelved behind. But even these past two years, as, as he's been shelved behind Austin Hooper, his production's been consistent um, on a yards per catch basis, a catch rate, catch rate basis uh, for a guy who had drop issues really early in his career, like really bad drop issues and uh, developed into one of the better blocking tight ends in the league. Uh, and then he finally gets uh Hooper gets cut this offseason he gets the extension and they say you know what it's yours now tight end one is yours now uh and he hasn't he hasn't skipped a beat he's he's completely lived up to that that pay grade um and so I, I'm excited about the future of this offense um the offensive line has shown a little bit less this week but uh when we turn to the defensive side it's hard to find a bright spot on the defensive side of the ball where I just have to chalk up like years for for Greg Newsom and, and Jeremiah Usu Kormo and say like man I think you just got to throw out their 2021 tape or 2022 tape. Like these guys were both all rookies last year. And now, I mean, this defense is just playing poor and I don't, I don't know how you can evaluate the young players based off of the coaching that they're receiving and the scheme they're running. That is just abysmal. Like bottom of the league, abysmal. So uh, defensively, it's it's really hard to find a right spot. I mean, they've had four starting linebackers suffer season-ending injuries. Um, obviously, Miles Garrett, um, but like John Johnson was the highest-paid free agent safety two off seasons ago. They're going to cut him they're going to cut him this offseason season. He's then saved $10 million in cap space. It's just hasn't worked out, but um, defensively it's really miles Garrett. Uh, I, I would, I would say the, the defensive player of the year race is, is him. Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa right now. Um, uh, Nick Bosa is probably leading, leading that charge. And again, he's, he's having a really good game again tonight. So um, but, but Garrett's firmly still in that race and um, just what he's able to do with no other help up front. Um, they're, they're pretty much just rushing four. And they're getting no interior pressure. Um, and he's still racked up a sack per game this year. So it's it's pretty it's pretty astounding what he's able to do. So um, these, these past four, you know, I'm looking forward to them evaluating young players. You know, the Alex Wrights, the Isaiah Thomases. I think they're going to have to look at some young linebackers they have on their roster. Um... And you might see guys like Jadavian Clowney playing less snaps as he's on a one-year deal, you know? Um, and they want to see what these young guys can do. So I think these last four is where we're going to maybe see some bright spots in the defense or see what these young guys can do. But um, And Joku, Donovan, Peoples Jones, Miles Garrett are those three where I'm like, yeah, this has, been, this has been fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I guess jumping into the game on this coming Saturday, how do you think that defense projects against an offense that – was already struggling with Lamar Jackson, and now he's going to be out of the mix again. You're going to have Tyler Huntley potentially coming off of a concussion who really knows what's going on there. And then he had Anthony Brown in the game against the Steelers kind of playing that uh, closer role. So how do you think uh, How do you think that matchup kind of projects there?
1: Um, again, they don't get interior pressure, so mobile quarterbacks are going to give them hell uh, if they have any sort of pocket to step up to and lanes to find. So uh, I'm not excited about that. Um, Tyler Huntley... Uh, they beat Tyler Huntley last year, but Tyler Huntley was still able to do some of those things uh, last year. Uh, again, this is the worst run defense in the NFL. So even a you know, a one footed Gus Edwards should be able to, and JK Dobbins fresh off of, you know, IR should be a able
2: one legged JK Dobbins. Maybe it <laughs> should,
1: should really be able to do whatever they want. Again, they're going to be starting Dion Jones, who hasn't been himself for three years after coming over from Atlanta and probably second year, fifth rounder, Tony fields at Mike and will this week because of, you know, Sione Takitaki ACL tear, uh, Anthony Walker Jr., gro- groin tear, uh, Jacob Phillips, bicep tear. Like, all, every single one of their starting linebackers is on IR. So, J- and Jeremiah Osukamora, foot on IR this week as well. So, um, it's really just a decimated front uh, that uh, if Tyler Huntley has to put the ball in the air 10 times, they should still have probably not very many issues finding chunks on the ground. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm not feeling very optimistic about it.
0: Most certainly, and it is is—it is quite a shame, guys like Taki Taki, guys like Jeremiah Wusukormo who needed those reps and, and would love to get to evaluate them. Uh, Joe Woods, quick, I guess quick before I dive
1: into another one, Joe Woods isn't there next year, correct? No, I, I don't see it. I mean, he's going to coach for his job these last four weeks, but how do you coach for your job when you have a decimated front seven? So uh, I don't see anyway. Again, up until three weeks ago, um, the OBR, the site that I used to, to write for, found out that this was the worst run defense in the NFL, uh, since at least 2005. So his scheme makes no sense. And if you listen to some pressers, pressers that, that their past game coordinator came out and said today, like they're in year three of the same defensive scheme. And, and you're telling me that you can't adjust to only Jamar chase being on the field because you had planned for Tyler board and T Higgins to also be on the field. Like that's bad. If you can't say, Oh, they're not on the field anymore, but we can't adjust. Cause that's not what we game plan for. That's terrible. That's terrible. So, I don't see any way that, that his defensive staff and him he or his staff are back next year. So,
0: definitely. So, to me, it sounds like you're expecting, and what I've seen from the Browns on their offense and, and Nick Chubb, the dynamism that he has and the ability to run man, run zone concepts, all those kinds of things. Ravens have given them a lot of trouble uh, without Cormoa being there. So, I think we covered the defense somewhat well. You know, Joe Woods' defense. Very basic, very straightforward. Uh, You're going to get a lot of yeah. thirds
1: and quarters in the secondary as well. That's Exactly,
0: exactly. Relying on those safeties, and it feels like you know the the spine of the defense that he needs is not up to that par, John Johnson you mentioned. So I guess really my, my major kind of question, curiosity here, what have we seen from what the offense has turned into with Deshaun Watson on the football field over the first two weeks? Uh, to me, it looks like some more gun run, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. In the run game is a little more diverse in that sense. I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on Nick Chubb, obviously, Such an incredible player, gives the Ravens hell, maybe the most underrated runner of the football that has existed in the last decade or so uh, for how prolific he is and what his skill set is and things of that nature. But take us through what you've seen so far and what you expect to kind of go through this game in particular and throughout the rest of the year as they ease Watson in and, and try and figure out what they have.
1: Yeah, so again, the Ravens are top 10 in uh, DVOA in terms of run defense. So, uh, and they're 12th against the pass as well. So they're just a really good defense, which is going to be fun to, to deal with. But the run game struggled over the past three weeks, and that has not. Helped. Nick Chubb averaged 2.4 yards a carry last week against the Bengals. So uh, again, we're would seeing... You, would you
0: credit that largely, largely, especially the last couple of weeks of, of Pochik, the Brown center kind of going down? It was having a unbelievable
1: year mm-hmm. as, what, the third-string center coming in for two yeah. major injuries? Yeah, I mean, he was the backup center coming into the year. Nick Harris got like season-ending injury on in the first play of the preseason, uh, and he's played like a top three center this year. So um, it does come a lot down to that where Posick was able to get his eyes and what, what defenses are doing because they know Nick Chubb loves to to find backside cuts in wide zone. That's his bread and butter. Like he's going to force frontside action and then cut. And he's going to stick game. those knees right through your head, yeah. your chest when you try to go wrap him up. Yep. And so it started with the first Ravens games. What what teams are starting to do is give them double mug looks up front. Uh, really conflict kind of the center. Uh, Posick was able to, to get his eyes to the backside backer. With, they're starting to gap out backside A. Hardcore. Linebackers are, are, are gapping out backside A. Posick was able to, to not only get his eyes, but he's fluid enough to swing his hips around as, as well and, and kind of pick up that backside backer. Uh, Yelda for a hold, is not. Um, so uh, they're penetrating backside. And, and if you want my honest opinion, uh, I don't think Nick 100% trusts his frontside eyes yet either because, again, backside is his runner if it's not there he's he's really pressing frontside. they're not getting a lot of movement off the line frontside either uh but but i don't think he he's 100 confident as he is backside um uh, working frontside. um so it's it's been a little ugly again you're they're not getting uh top 10 pick production out of Jedrick will's at left tackle um jack conklin at right tackles last year of his deal and he's battled injuries and you can tell wyatt taylor had injured his calf against the ravens the first time around uh and you can tell he's playing hurt. So uh, they're just not playing well up front right now. Um, but with Deshaun Watson coming on the field, uh, you will see that they have incorporated a large, large, large packet of RPO and read option uh, into their game plan, uh, which, again, good on Kevin Stefanski for for scheming around the talent he has on the field. Um, and they're, they're finding a lot of success with that. Um, they've been bringing Dimitri Felton on as well. They're running a lot more jet motion pre-snap. Um, I tend to think those snaps are going to go to Jalen Darvin, who's a much more dynamic athlete. Uh, I, they even ran some, some triple option out of Jet Motion last week, so we're going to see a lot of that. It's also helping their screen game a lot um, as well. I, I think Stefanski awesome.
0: is one of the sneakier screen games in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He can go deep into his bag, or he just organizes very well the simple stuff. And under, It feels like they understand alignment versus killing into those screens so well.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Again, those tight end screens eat teams up. Um, David Njoku thrives after the catch as well, so um, it, it's kind of a perfect match uh, scheme to talent there. Uh, and then passing concepts, you're you're going to get a lot of you know spot stick, um, a lot of three beaters. They love burner. They love burner concepts. So they're going to they're going to run a lot of three beaters and uh, pick on that that boundary corner a lot. Um, But Watson looked a lot better this past week. Still not perfect. He forced a turnover, um, but it was a lot better than it was the week before. Uh, we'll see. I don't have high expectations these last four weeks. I think he will come into his own. And again, Ravens with the backup quarterback, commanders, Steelers, and Saints to close out the year. So they have a lot of, they have, they have a chance to, to really build momentum these last four games heading into the summer and build confidence and rapport, play colored quarterback to offensive system, kind of mesh those things together heading into the, the summer where ownership, front office coaching personnel can all feel like, okay, we have something here that we can build on. Um, but again, it's it's been a little it's been a little rough, which I think you could kind of expect that for a guy who hasn't played football in seven hundred days. It it sounds like a cop out, but you can't simulate pressure. Again, he can go through the mechanical stuff, he can he can run concepts on air, he can go through that stuff in practice, but you, you can't really simulate pressure, and so I think his eyes are still uh, adjusting to live speed football. Again, he's late getting his eyes to some of those three beaters too. I mean, he missed a a blatant clear out concept last week. Just like, what are you looking at? Where are you getting your eyes at? So um, there's still some, some rough stuff on tape, but overall he's making throws that again, five or six quarterback in the NFL can make. Like in the NFL can make. So you see it on tape. You see why as volatile as he is as a person that, that a team would, would make a trade like that. Um, But it's still not 100% there yet.
2: Looking at this Ravens defense, who's been really good at times, what would you personally do, just asking your opinion, to set him up to have success against them? And how would you defend yeah, against them?
1: I, I mean, I would say keep keep pounding the RPO game, but you got two really good linebackers. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to try to conflict uh, linebacker, I mean, I guess that's a way to kind of freeze them a little bit. Is keep pounding that RPO, but you're going to have to stretch them horizontally. I mean, Clay Campbell's playing incredible football at 36 years old. That I don't feel confident running a lot of gap power. Uh, again, the tackles aren't playing wide enough, and and your center isn't isn't able to reach uh backside a or, or or climb as well as posic was to to run wide zone as, as often as you would feel comfortable for a wide zone team um, so i i really think they're gonna have to push the boundary wide so i, I mean maybe this is the week they, they throw Jalen darden in and say hey can you can you handle some of these these jet motions can you handle some of these uh you know screens out wide and, and extend uh laterally but i i think that you're just gonna have to pull Pull the linebackers, pull those guys wide uh, and see, you know, if the Ravens start to adjust to that, maybe that opens up something up up, up front. Um, But it's not going to be an easy game. Not going to be easy.
0: Especially the way that defense is playing. The Browns win the game if, and the Browns lose the game if, and then uh, we'll we'll try and get a prediction out of you if you're feeling squirrely enough.
1: Okay. Uh, The Browns win the game if they score 21. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, that shouldn't be asking a lot. I, I, I can't say like, oh, if they rush for hundred yards or Nick, Chubb, Nick Chubb gets 20 carries, but it's like, if you can just find a way to find the ends on three times, like you're playing a backup quarterback. Who's got a decimated, you know, the running backs are both on one leg. <laughs> like the wide receiver room is decimated. There, there isn't really a wide receiver that that's going to instill fear in a defense. Like that should be good enough to beat Tyler Hunt. Twenty-one points should be big enough. Should be good enough to beat Taylor Huntley. Uh, the Browns lose the game if I mean they, they got torched by Bailey Zappi. So uh, if they continue to just come out in quarters and three and say yeah we'll just play base D and uh, get back to fundamentals, that's what they did against the Patriots. And like yeah, even a rookie can can read cover three and know where it allows can them die. to get into
0: a rhythm and and start yeah. to see what, yeah what they're looking at.
1: So uh, they'll they'll win if they can can be a little more exotic and they have been a little more exotic defensively. Uh, they gave Tom Brady fits a few weeks ago. So like they can do some stuff, but they tend to play to their competition and it drives me insane. Uh, as like from a scheme perspective, from a coaching perspective. Um, but if they, I mean, if they come out and nickel and just try to run cover three quarters without much nuance to it. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be pretty because even Tyler Huntley is going to be able to, to get his eyes like, he he can, he can run a three beater. He can run a quarter speeder. Like, um, they're going to have to do something, rotate some safeties, con- confuse pre-snap and see what we can do. Most definitely. My friend, how do you think this one ends up? I do think the Browns win. Um, I just think the talent discrepancy between the two offenses is really steep in this one. Uh, again, Watson has been playing a little bit better and I don't have any reason to think he would regress. Again, he's playing a little bit of a tougher defense, but he's kind of picking up those things live now. Um, I just man, I I don't think the 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 Ravens are going to score very many points. Uh, I just don't think Tyler Huntley is going to score very, very many points. So I I could see being like uh, let's say I think like 21-17, something like that. Browns.
0: I don't think that's too far off. Corey, thank you so much. Please tell the good people where to follow you, where they can find your work, what you're working on, and you do a ton of NFL draft comment content. So make sure go give Corey a follow. Uh, one of my my very favorite. Follows, and I think you're always pragmatic, and and I appreciate everything you do. So tell the good people where to follow you and what you got kind of lined up moving forward.
1: Yeah, my handles is at uh, real Corey Kinnan. Uh, it's not pretentious. I had that since I was a freshman in college before, I mean I had like a hundred. Really, it really is. And now real- it feels pretentious now that I'm actually verified. And, it's good to and know
2: that of- it's actually you. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's my Twitter handle. Um, that's where I, I post a lot of clips, NFL draft prospect clips. Uh, again, BrownsWire.com. Uh, through the USA today network, uh, is where, where I do all my writing and editing. Um, and I do have my own personal sub stack, uh, called daft on draft. And that's where I'm doing all of my draft content right now, outside of Twitter. Um, I have a podcast on there, uh, with my friend, Devin, De- Devin Jackson. Um, and I've written, I think, three pieces on there so far as well. One is, a, is an interview with a guy who would have gone first round had he declared this year, but went back to Penn State and, and Olu Fashano, the offensive tackle. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I post some, some draft content on my Substack as well, but, but that's pretty much it.
0: Definitely. Final question uh, Are you a pomade guy? What do you have in the old hair there?
1: It is pomade, yeah. Ah, it's, hmm. it's dry though. It's not shine. It's dry pomade. So Matt, we got the Matt uh, pomade. I just got cut today. To it. This is a really it good looks day. Looks good. For you. you look
0: quaffed. You look good. Fresh for the holidays. I love it, Corey.
1: <laughs> great flow. Love it. Thank
0: you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, my friend. We really appreciate you, though. Such a concise and and x's and o's the way we love to see it. So thank you so much, Corey. Make sure to go give Corey a follow. Corey, have a, a great night, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. Yeah.
2: All right, so I guess uh, prediction time on our end.
0: Most certainly is. Corey touched on a lot of good things there. Um, I think the key in this one, how many plays, I think Kevin Stefanski does a great job forcing the Ravens into zone and forcing the Ravens to exchange coverage, exchange zone. I think if you, and he mentioned Donovan Peoples-Jones, someone that we talked about at Nauseam that fell so far in this draft for reasons we do not, or in his draft class, I should say, for reasons we don't know, I think kind of if you can limit them to less than four 20-plus yard gains in the air, if you can kind of put any sort of cap on that, Amari Cooper, so damn good, so able to, like Corey said, go beach in, man. If you can keep the lid on a little bit, go do some work in the red zone when the turnover battle, the Ravens can get out of this one. I just think that the Ravens utterly curb stomp the Browns when it comes to giving them different looks, utilizing the Josh Olivers, the Mar- Mark Andrews, the Pat Ricards, and making them go figure out blocks. Like Corey said, they don't get out of their base looks very much or their their comfort zone very much against the run. So I do think the Ravens will be able to run the ball in this one. I think it's going to be a close one. Uh, I think that we see it have a similar script to what we just saw last week. Hopefully this is not the week, if you're the Ravens, where Deshaun Watson just feels a little bit more confident, or uh, I guess a, a lot more confident, kind of makes a little bit of a jump there. He was with them in training camp. He did have a long layoff. He hasn't been playing for a long time. Um, they are without their center their offensive line isn't playing great so I think uh, like Corey said you know 21 is probably a magic number for the Browns I think if the Ravens win they hold the Browns to less than two tu- less than two touchdowns and less than three scoring drives so gonna be a, a bloody battle in this one Nick Chubb has given them some issues they've also had some strong performances really excited to watch Justin Matabike up against Wyatt Teller and someone that has Given him a, a ton of trouble just mad has been a fun match up there so i think the ravens are, are fucking feeling themselves right now i think that they are buying what they're selling i think that last week was huge for that and that they see the vision before them they're prepared for this division very much so i think that in hindsight them having their worst year of divisional play under john harbaugh was a, a rude awakening that they have sought to fix and i think that's something that escapes us is that These teams, and it's not just in the AFC North, but I think it is maybe a spicy little extra for teams in the AFC North. You design your roster to counter what the best team in your division does or or what's giving you trouble in your division. I think the Ravens with Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton, those picks scream we're trying to beat the AFC North. That is what we're concerned about. We're concerned about the spine. We want to go dominate teams like the Browns up the middle, be able to to work back against the Bengals and things like that. So I'm going to go Ravens. I think we see a little I think we see Greg pull something out in the past game, a little something something for Mark Andrews. I think they put up 20. I think the the Browns like I said, if you can keep them under two touchdowns under, you know, three four scoring drives. So let's go 20 to we'll go a funny number in 15 for the the fun of it. Interesting.
2: Yeah, I'm uh so this is tough because like I don't want this to be interpreted as like negative and I know like there's a lot of Ravens fans that are going to lose their shit if this happens. I got the Ravens losing this one. Uh it just feels like you throw your backup quarterback in there like asking him to win two games in a row on the road is a tough proposition and I think the Brownies like There's explosive potential there, at least. You've got Njoku, who is very much explosive. You've got Amari Cooper and DPJ. Both those guys very much explosive. Nick Chubb is as well. If Watson finds a groove for even like two or three drives, you maybe even get 17 points out of that, or you know three or four drives, whatever that might be. Uh, And it it will be kind of tough, I think, for Huntley on the road to uh, make it happen a second time, especially after... You know, he might not have been concussed, but he did get injured. He did sit out half of a game. Uh, It's just a tough proposition. So I think, like... I got the Ravens losing 19 to 17, but I think it's fine. Like if you go one and one with your backup quarterback and let's say Lamar Jackson comes back next week on Christmas Eve against the Falcons, you are in just fine shape there at nine and five. So I, am going to go ahead and say the Ravens lose this one, but I don't think it's an end of the world sky is falling thing, even though some fans might take it to that place. Uh, Hopefully nobody will because really like that would be a pretty good spot to be in. So yeah, Ravens lose this one in my eyes, but uh, nothing too crazy to, uh, to harp on.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that as well. And again, Deshaun Watson does want to get something rolling. Um, turnover is going to be key. It's just going to be another AFC North sledgehammer game. And it's going to be the Ravens running attack against you know, Deshaun Watson trying to figure it out with what they have offensively. So I think that's a, a realistic outcome as well. And Ravens have won six of seven. They are finding ways to float. Six of eight be quite all right. I think last week was a, a huge game. And getting that ninth win in the circumstances of the Jets and the Chargers and the Patriots and where those teams are was huge. So, again, if if it's a loss, it feels like an understandable one. I think last week
2: wouldn't have at all. If they had lost last week and then won this week, I would be concerned going into that Falcons game. If they lose this week, I'll be like, all right, I get it. Like, it's fine.
0: I, I think so. And trying to figure things out. I'm um, curious to see here, you know, Dobbins Edwards, can you integrate them in the past game at all? Can you get them on third down? It feels like you're, you're kind of tying your hand behind your back there. So um, if the Ravens win this one, we, we asked Corey that question. I think it's because they, they figure out how to get Mark Andrews, the football a little bit here. I think they, they get a little creative. We've seen them pull some things out. They care about these divisional games more. I think they do save the good stuff a little bit more this year from what I've seen. So, I think they uh, they they have to pull something out of the old bag there. The I'm not going to say the V word. I'm so sick of people saying that word all the time. But Greg's got Greg's got to figure out a little little something something doesn't need to be as uh, double pass back James prochet ish. Just needs to be maybe you know hey let's let's run a really really elongated read option where you can kind of do a leak or, or get somebody up the sideline something like that. So with that being said, super fired up for this one. It's a Saturday game. Uh, I think I'm going to try and do a space at some point too talk about this one a little more. I think uh, we're, we're a little sleepy here. Sorry to sorry to break it to you folks. We were a little late. We wanted to get Corey on who did a great job. So with that, I, uh, I guess we can take it on home, brother.
2: No, I think well worth it. I think he was one of the, the better guests we've had this year uh, as far as breaking down a game. So that was that was great. Thank you for booking it. Thank you everyone for listening as always. Great one uh, tonight here and I uh, hope you enjoy the game on Saturday. Always, always very interesting. It feels like the Ravens always get these Saturday games late in the year. And uh, you know what? I gotta say, I don't hate it you know, free my Sundays up Saturday
0: football. I mean, if this was a home game, Saturday football is outstanding. Absolutely. Right.
2: Yeah. Fast. We, we got it coming next week. We got it for Christmas Eve uh, though. That'll be a Saturday, Saturday game as well with the Falcons coming to town. So yeah, fun time of year, I think. And uh, yeah, you know what, even if it is a loss, like I'm predicting, I think it will be a, an interesting game. And uh, Ravens in a very good spot right now. They've bought themselves some insurance, and they got some time to skate. So, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into all of it. Uh, thank you guys as always for listening. We will talk to you again very soon. You can find us on social media. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can find me at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies. That is the number four in the middle, and that is all we got here. Thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you. I guess Saturday night. See ya. Arrivederci.
1: Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age?